The Todd and Oz Show is live. Get in on the conversation at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Todd and Oz. Yeah, 903 here on the Todd and Oz Show. You can join us at 512-836-0590. Just before the top of the hour news, uh, we were in a conversation with uh, a state lawmaker, Ellen Troxclair, on the live news line this morning. She's also on the uh, uh, Homeland Security Committee on the state level and is you know monitoring from a state level. Well, everything that's happening on the border. Ellen, thanks for calling back. We had some computer issues there, and we and we lost you. Uh, some of the new things over the past 24 hours, Joaquin Castro, uh, along with Gregorio Casar, formerly the city council, uh, they're calling for the federal government to, well, to federalize the Texas Guard. What would that mean, yep. and what's your reaction? Yep. I, you know, I just really thought it was important for people to understand that we have our own Texas congressmen working to make Texas more dangerous. I mean, to say that they're going to nationalize the Texas National Guard is is, is um, absolutely unprecedented, absolutely uh, a misunderstanding of what is going on in the legal process, and an insult, and it, honestly an insult to the Texans and to the constituents that they represent. And of, of course, you know, uh, Greg and I go, go back a long ways, as he was one of my colleagues uh, on the Austin City Council, and I was trying to be the sane one um and and here you know he's he's continuing to cause trouble uh at the federal level and again under uh, undermining texan safety while he's at it uh and i just want to give you a couple of other points of what we did in the in the legislature this past session uh to fight that is that okay sure go ahead yep uh so we put we put uh, the biggest investment in border security ever, uh, $6.6 billion that went to boots on the ground, uh, the border buoys and the border wall, as well as busing migrant funding for busing migrants to Democrat-run cities so they understand what we're dealing with, which has been incredibly successful. Uh, we put in place our own Remain in Mexico policy. So that's the policy that was so successful under President Trump. Um, where once they're cross, you know, if they get across the border, they have to go back to Mexico while they await the, their court date or legal action. That was undone by our current president, Biden, um, who said, oh, no, just come into the country, wait around for six months and try to show up uh, in a little bit. So we put Texas's own uh, remain in Mexico policy, allowing all law enforcement officers in the state to physically remove a migrant and take them back to Mexico. Um, so those are just a couple of things that we that we are doing on the state level. Uh, and of course, I'm working with Abbott um, to, to, to stand shoulder to shoulder with him and uh, give him the support that he needs so that we don't back down. And I, I, I know that he won't. He's, he's clearly dug in. Yeah. Um, what happens so later? You, you say he's dug in. What happens later this afternoon when we uh, when that deadline comes and the Border Patrol has been ordered to go into Shelby Park and the guard tries to stop them. Are you concerned about a clash between the guard and the feds? You know, my honest read on it is that those border, and I, again, I've been there many times to Shelby Park. I've seen, I've seen, you know, the, the two different uniforms there, and they're operating under two different commanders. But let me tell you, there is not a single Border Patrol agent down there who does not see the crisis in his or her own eyes. And yes, they're ultimately responsible 
to Biden, but they are not relishing in trying to undo everything that their colleagues in the state guard have done to try to protect Texas. They see it. They see the people um, being abused, being sold into slavery. They, they see the migrants coming across the border. They see the problem. So what I'm trying to say is the foot soldiers that are down there, I, I do not think, I mean, I think maybe their responsibility uh, is one thing, but what they really want to do is to help our state troopers secure yeah. the border. You say that so they, I, I cannot imagine that they would they, that there would be any kind of clash there. Um, I think, honestly, I, I hope that Biden finally wakes up and decides to come see it for himself. Um, because maybe if Border Patrol stands up and says, no, we're not doing your dirty work for you, and he has to come down here himself, maybe then his eyes will be open to what damage this is doing to our country. You say the federal government, the Biden administration, is, is, is in a roundabout way aiding and abetting this criminal activity, the flow of drugs. Absolutely. and illegal immigration and stuff like that. Do you put the Red Cross and Catholic Charities in the same category as aiding and abetting the illegal crossings? Oh, I mean, Catholic Charities, absolutely. Um, they, the Red they, Cross they, is they, giving uh, out maps and supplies and, and, yeah, and, and helping folks uh, make that long journey. No, absolutely. They are absolutely complicit in in telling people, "Hey, come on, we want you to be sold into slavery by the cartels." Uh, can the governor again, can the governor push back on those do. people? Can the governor push back on the Red Cross and Catholic charities here in Texas? Yeah, he he absolutely can, and I have no doubt that he absolutely will if he is not already. Yeah. Um, he he has reached the end of his rope as far as you know doing everything by the book, and now the book's being tossed out the window, and we got to do something. Actions speak louder than words, and 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 I think Texas stands ready um, to defend its borders, and I think the men and women across this state understand what we're up against, and we'll have our backs one hundred percent. Whatever you use that word, ready to defend our border, what does that mean? I, I think that we are going to push back. I think that we, if if, if the Border Patrol tries to take down uh, that wire, we're going to keep putting it up. I think that we're going to have state troopers and more boots on the ground so that we physically defend, physically defend our border. We're going to keep passing laws. We're going to demand that Biden pay back the ta- Texas taxpayers for doing his job for him. We're going to continue to pursue them in court. Uh, we're going to continue to make sure that we're investing in border security and supporting our boots on the ground. But I think, I really think, and I hope and I pray um, that that the courts will work this out fairly, um, that with the support of over half the country, I mean, they're, 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 states' rights are a thing for a reason, and the con- we are well within our constitutional ability and authority to do everything that we are doing now, and we have the support of 25 other states. So this is half the country saying, we are right, and we will have your back. And so at some point, At some point, Biden has to follow the Constitution himself. He has a responsibility to defend our citizens. He's the one that's in the wrong. Um, And we're going to keep shouting that message from the rooftops until this entire thing turns around. Ellen Troxclair, thank you so much for checking in this morning. Thank you. Uh, We appreciate it. There you go. Ellen Troxclair, formerly the city council, now representing a portion of the Hill Country. Mm. She sits on the the Homeland Security Committee of Texas. She's fired up. What do you think? Well, I I mean, it sounds like we still got a lot of work to do down there. I'm very anxious to see, you know, I mean, she talks about we will will defend, you know, I'm anxious to see how that plays out in reality. And we may find out by the end of the day. Uh, well, you know, I, and I also want to, you know, if, if the Supreme Court comes down and says, all right, no more razor wire, period. I, I'm curious to, to see what Greg Abbott, how, what his next move may be there. You know, would he just continue to say, well, sorry, 
is the only option. Let's we'll squeeze in some calls here. How about this? Uh, all right, 512-836-0590. Uh, coming up in the next segment, uh, we're going to hear from uh, Jonathan Turley, mm. Georgetown Law School professor, talking about the you know the Supreme Court issues and in a, in, yeah. a, in, a, in a, you know the the legality of all of this. Uh, we'll we'll dive into that. But let's see here. Let's uh, let's squeeze in uh, Henry uh, checking in from North Austin this morning. Henry, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. I hope everybody's having a great day. Yes, sir. You as well. Awesome. Listen, uh, you know, when somebody uh, commits a crime and they have an accomplice, the accomplice is also charged with a crime, are they not? Yeah. Yes, sir. Why aren't we charging the NGOs that are helping these people break the law? Why aren't we putting those people in jail? I think it's because our federal government has been blackmailed by the cartels. That's what I think. We allow the cartels say, to run. I wouldn't say blackmailed. I would say paid off. Okay. There you go. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. That's the reason. Yeah. Compromised. That's the reason. That's the reason. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's. that's I mean, that's, question. It's, uh, that's pretty obvious, right? Somebody, that's, it's pretty obvious, yeah, right? Uh, I mean, I mean, it, I would like to get somebody. I would like to get those NGOs, uh, uh, see a little, see a little, you know, payback. Little push. I got you. I understand. Yeah. Uh, me too, Henry. Yeah. Uh, Pablo at East Austin this morning. Good morning, Pablo. Hey, good morning, guys. Yes, sir. Yeah, I just wanted to comment on the Catholic Charities aspect of it. And I've heard, uh, I think, Todd, you may have used the phrase, God's country. Yes, sir. That's exactly the understanding that the church has regarding the whole world and that the man is merely a steward of God's world and God's country in this case. So uh, they're operating in that parameter they're not looking at it like these are, uh, they, we all want legal immigration. Let me tell you that. And I haven't met anyone that said, Hey, let's bring people over here illegally. But, uh, and the last point someone made about why aren't we, uh, their accomplices is called remote participation. Just because you sell a gun to somebody or you manufacture a gun for somebody doesn't make you complicit in the in the crimes that they commit. No, but it should so give people a ride. Concept. But if you give people a ride to the Texas border and money and a cell phone, then you are aiding and abetting that kind of criminal that's behavior. For, that's for, uh, I understand, asylum. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, yeah, okay. So that's all I'm wanting to make. <laughs> all right, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Let's see, uh, Anthony. Anthony in North Austin. Good morning, Anthony. Morning. Yeah. Uh, thanks, guys. I love your show. Thanks for highlighting all the issues that the mainstream media seem to avoid. Um, I just want to say, as an immigrant myself, it took me 15 years to get my citizenship. Wow. Uh, it cost me a lot of money. It took me seven and a half years to get my green card and another seven and a half years to get my citizenship. That's strange. So, I thought we were allowing people from Tyler, Texas to come on in. I didn't realize that. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Interesting. Well, uh, you know, the problem is it, it's cost me a lot of money to do everything right. I lived over in Saipan for a while where I met my current wife. It cost me about $22,000 in two years to get the paperwork to bring her here illegally. And the dumbass in chief and the POS, uh, Mayorkas, they've done more to damage this great country in the 30 years that I've been here than I've ever seen before. Both of them should be indicted and get rid of these people that are coming across illegally. Good grief, you just gave me chills. Ah, Spoken like an American. Give me, give me those red, white, <laughs> and blue chills is what you did there. <laughs> Anthony, well, I've, been an, I've been an American citizen since 2008. I landed here in uh, October the 8th, 1993. I got my citizenship October the 8th, 2008. Welcome. Welcome to uh, 
Welcome home, Anthony. Glad you got here, Anthony. Oh, give you chills. Look at the hair on my yeah. arms right there. Just standing up right there. It really is, isn't man, it? Man, oh, man. I'll take my shirt off after that. You would, wouldn't I'll you? get naked right here in the studio for that. I will. I will, Isaac. I think man. you might. Anthony, thank you so much, man. Appreciate you checking in. Love those 512-836-0590 here on the Todd and Oz Show. Todd and Oz Show. Welcome back, Todd Jeffries and Patrick Osborne here on the Todd and Oz Show. Yeah, jump in here at 512-836-0590. Isaac, can you just turn the music up louder so I can't hear myself? Can you just turn it up a little bit louder? Thank you. There you go. Rock it out, man. Station that made it a hit uh, here on uh, News Radio KLBJ. Listen, uh, we got the standoff that continues between the state of Texas and the feds. Uh, the Joe Biden administration has given an ultimatum today that the Texas Guard needs to allow the Border Patrol to have access to Shelby Park or else. Or else what? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Or else what? Uh, Jonathan Turley is a Georgetown law professor and he weighs in on this issue and uh, the legality of it all. Here's, uh, here's what he had to say on Fox. Uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, Jonathan Turley. Well, I certainly agree with the governor that uh, this is a violation of the understanding between the federal government and the states. Uh, the language in Article 1, Section 10, uh, um, uh, really deals with that agreement that we, we gave made with the states and the federal government uh, to move from the Articles of Confederation to a constitutional system with a strong federal government. Uh, I, I don't think any Anyone can honestly look at the southern border and say that the federal government has fulfilled its pledge. Uh, this is an unprecedented crisis brought about, uh, I believe, by President Biden's policies. So on all that, I agree. The problem is that federal courts are unlikely to agree that this is the invasion referenced in the Constitution. There's also a reference to imminent danger. And certainly looking at hundreds of thousands of people crossing an effective open border presents an imminent danger, but the courts are likely to define that in the context of that provision, in the context of an invasion by a, as with a foreign state. So I think Texas is going to have a hard time making that constitutional argument in court. The problem for the, the Biden administration uh, is that it has really created uh, a, a, an existential crisis here uh, by effectively having an open border. Uh, I think that many judges would be sympathetic to Texas that they have a right to do something. They're being overwhelmed. Even Democratic member uh, mayors are now objecting that this is overwhelming their cities. And so the idea of the federal government removing barriers uh, at this time is really otherworldly. Uh, but it's, uh, you have to keep in mind, on this fight, the federal government has the upper hand legally. Mm -hmm. They tend to get a lot of deference along the border. Yeah, there you go. Jonathan Turley, Georgetown Law Professor on Fox News, uh, kind of explaining uh, some of the issues and hurdles that uh, the federal government will face and Greg Abbott, too, in court. Yeah, well, you know, and I'm looking to, you know, it kind of, a, it, in a way, this is sort of a lose-lose situation for Joe Biden because on the one hand, you know, if if he if he forces the, the issue here, forces Border Patrol in there somehow, it looks bad and it says to, to the rest of the world, no, we want this border to be wide open. If he doesn't do anything... 
and Greg Abbott continues to stand his ground, it makes him look weaker than he already is. So it's kind of a lose lose for Biden. I'm not, you know, I, 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 I'm really not sure what direction this is going to go. Jump in at 512-836-0590. And uh, Joey is checking in from South Austin this morning. Joey, good morning. What's on your mind? I really enjoy you having the people on to discuss this, um, the people who are who are involved at the political level. I just, after listening to Ellen Trucks, Truxler and, and this situation, I just want to put out for, for Governor Abbott, if he's going to return the campaign con- contributions given to him by the developers of Colony Ridge, and if he's going to do anything for the state level about Colony Ridge, which is another disaster that's completely taking advantage of of illegal immigrants and creating a huge safety problem for the state of Texas and a magnet for people to cross the border illegally. You're talking about uh, the, the development Colony Ridge in Liberty County. And just to catch you up to date, what is the state of Texas doing? Well, the last legislative session, they approved $40 million to create a police department for that uh, for that uh, development out there. Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh, great. Yeah. And you're so, right. You're right. Governor Greg Abbott did receive a little more than a million dollars from the brother of that developer of Colony Ridge. We had the, the developer on the show just months ago. You kind of talking about it. And to be honest, the developer's not doing anything illegal. It seems shady. Got high interest loans, that sort of thing. It seems shady, right? But uh, yeah. th- there's nothing illegal happening. Yeah. You know? No, there's nothing illegal happening, just like the federal government isn't doing anything, quote unquote, illegal because they're calling them asylums. And right. the state of Texas isn't doing anything, quote, quote, illegal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not right. Yeah. No, no, no. I, and I, I, I don't want. I, I just see it as two faced on Governor Abbott's part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we asked him about that question, and his response was it's complicated. Yeah. That's right. It's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> a million dollars does complicate things. It does. It does. But but the developers of Colony Ridge, they're not breaking the state law. Sure. Well, but here's a problem from my perspective. The taxes from the community are supposed to fund the police department for the community. Yeah. Not $40 million from my taxes. Mm-hmm. I understand that having that community be more secure is probably in the benefit of everybody, but the whole thing just stinks to high heaven. It does. No, it does. It's part of the draw, right? It's part of what, what lures uh, folks to this uh, to this state. Sure. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Joey. Yeah, it's questionable. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, there's a, certainly it's a, a ethical gray area there for sure. But, yeah, like I said, I mean, no, no laws are being broken, and, and people are making money. It is uh, money. Uh, 726. You could jump in at 512-836-0590 uh, here on the Todd and Oz Show. Yeah, you could join us. This story, uh, and to change the subject a little bit here, uh, this story, uh, can you play, Isaac, can we play that audio right there? Can you find it? We good? Okay. Everything okay? Everything all right? We've had some, uh, we've had some software oh. meltdowns here in the building. System hanging up. Something like that. Needs a little caffeine is what it needs. Yeah, this uh, this story that, uh, well, it, it, it made the front page of the New York Times. Explicit deep fake images of Taylor Swift elude safeguards and swamp social media. Mm. Yeah, fans of the, uh, of, of the star and lawmakers condemn the images, probably generated by artificial intelligence after they were shared with millions of social media users. Some, uh, some, some fake images of Taylor Swift and some... I guess some compromised photos. I guess they're pretty. They're, some of them are pretty raw. Yeah, pornographic kind of stuff. You know, I border on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly not. You know, anything that you you as Taylor Swift would want. Uh, you know, 
you know, you wouldn't want that out. You probably, your family probably wouldn't want to see that either. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. You know, I mean, you know, more and more and more we're getting out there. You know, the These deep fake things, you know, I mean, becoming a bigger concern out there. Well, it's fake, right? It's not sure, real. Sure, sure. But, you know, one day something may come out where we just, you know, people can't discern the difference. and, and Oh, you know, yeah. I, th- I, mean, I think a lot of people can't discern the difference. It'll be like Running Man, you know? You remember oh, that movie, yeah, The Running yeah, Man? You yeah, know, where, yeah, and, yeah. and I used to, I remember I used to watch that movie thinking, there's no way that they could ever make a video where, you know, if, if it didn't happen, they could make it look like it happened. But well, sure enough. Well, what do you want to do about this? Somebody made a fake picture of somebody else. Oh, I'm not, yeah. Is that a crime? No. I don't think so, no. I mean, it's it's rude, it's it's inappropriate, probably unethical, but it's not a crime. Well, there's some talk that, that she may be suing over this or, okay. or, or considering a lawsuit over this. All right. Well, I, I can understand suing, you know, some libel or something like that, you know, that's kind of thing. 22 million views. I get that. I understand yeah. that on a personal civil level. Sure. But, but no crime has been committed, right? I don't believe so. Maybe Maybe something needs to be addressed that way. Well, these fake sexually explicit images of Taylor Swift likely generated by artificial intelligence spread rapidly across social media platforms this week, disturbing fans uh, who saw them uh, and reignited calls for lawmakers to protect women and crack down on platforms and technology that spread such images. Yeah, like Twitter, I guess. Instagram. I mean, I, I, these had to have been spread somewhere. Yeah, my. But, uh, you know... It, cracking down on them. I mean, it's... What? Well, one of these images shared by users on X uh, was viewed 47 million times before the account was suspended. A suspended uh, X suspended several accounts, uh, you know, that posted some fake images of Taylor Swift. Uh, but the images were shared on other social media platforms and, and continues to spread. Yeah. Well, we're going to see, see a whole lot more of this. Kind of along similar lines, you know, the, the, the family of George Carlin's upset. Because they, you know, they put out some poorly generated AI comedy special of, uh, you know, post-mortem George Carlin. Yeah. I want to correct myself. I think I said 726 a minute ago, did I? One of the textures, one of the point of that. It's it's obviously now 928, uh, not 728, 928. I got you. What's that, Isaac? Okay. Uh, 928 here at KLBJ. The Todd and Oz Show. 931 here on the Todd and Oz Show. Yeah, you can join us, too, at 512-836-0590. A South Carolina primary next month, and uh, 2024 GOP presidential candidate Nikki Haley has her sights set on making uh, making it past that state, and she was on Fox just a few minutes ago. Only two states have voted. We have 48 states left. You can't go and discount all of those voters who want to vote in this election. We're going to keep going as long as we keep growing, and yeah. I think that's what the American people want. Nikki Haley is now pushing back on the calls for uh, from some of her donors and lawmakers for her to drop out of the Republican race. Yeah. I've never fought for the donor class. I've always fought for the average working person because at the end of the day, that's what I relate to, that's what I think most Americans are, and that's what we have to do to get our country back on track. Now, what do you think about this? She claimed this morning that, the, that she polls better than the former president, Donald Trump, when it comes to the independents out there. She might be right about that. This is the issue of you can't win a presidential election without moderates and independents. I can get the support of Republicans, moderates, and independents. I will do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, all I see this doing for the Republican Party is just further you know, dividing their resources, dividing their attention. Uh, they should be unified 
uh, against you know their their common goal here. I guarantee you the Democrat Party, uh, it, you know, well under under normal circumstances, I mean, they got a potato in the White House. It's going to run for reelection. But if they didn't, and it was just mm-hmm. a normal uh, you know Democrat uh, incumbent, they would already all be completely unified behind him. But in this case, everybody see even Nikki Haley has to know she will not. I, I could be totally wrong, and if I am, I'll I'll eat these words. But she's not gonna she's not gonna make any inroads to to beat Donald Trump, and so if I think she's doing her I, I think she's doing her party a, a big disservice. You think so? I think so. Yeah. Just go ahead and drop out. I think so. Get get a little unity on the Republican side and and move forward from there. I mean, how does she? I mean, she'd that, have to do that if if she loses South Carolina, her home state. She sure. has, she would have to. Right. She's been she's been trailing in all the polls. She hasn't beaten. She didn't beat Donald Trump in in Iowa. She didn't beat Donald Trump in New Hampshire. There's a good chance she won't beat Donald Trump in South Carolina. Sure. What makes her think that, be kind that, of that, that she can that she can you know win on the national you know on the big stage? I think she's kind of banking on the possibility that uh, he may be arrested and in a joint orange jumpsuit and and can't be president. I think she might be banking on, you know, something that's uh, unforeseen may happen over, over the next several months, uh, you know, because there's several court challenges. Maybe that's what she's thinking. I think she's hoping, I guess. Right. She better keep hoping. But, you know, there, as far as I know, he could still be elected from a jail cell and pardon himself that same day. That's true. Walk out. It is uh, uh, 934 here at KLBJ. The president of the Heritage Foundation confronted the uh, World Economic Forum this week in Davos, Switzerland, uh, challenging the claims that the WAF is uh, protecting democracy and, uh, and, and calling the so-called elites there part of the problem. Yeah, this is a pretty interesting uh, conversation from, uh, from Kevin Roberts. He's, uh, he's with the Heritage Foundation. He's the president of the Heritage Foundation. And he was in Davos, and he explained a couple of weeks ago why he went. He got an invitation. He said, okay, yeah, I'll go. Uh, but I'm going to speak freely and not be intimidated by anybody. And uh, it was a pretty interesting conversation. Yeah, Heritage Foundation President Kevin Roberts on the global stage at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, with a room just packed full of globalists. It's laughable that you would or anyone would describe Davos as protecting liberal democracy. It's standing up for it. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's equally laughable to use the word dictatorship at Davos. And, and aim that at President Trump. In fact, I think that's absurd. But I'm going to step aside from that constructive criticism and instead answer your question. Yep. And, and I'm going to be substantive here. President Trump, if he's the next president, for that matter, I think whoever the next conservative president is going to take on the power of the elites, which I mentioned earlier. But there, the, the thing that I want to drive home here, the very reason that I'm here at Davos, is to explain to many people in this room and who are watching, with all due respect, nothing personal, but that's your part of the problem. Political elites tell the average people on three or four or five issues that the reality is X, when in fact reality is Y. Take immigration. Elites tell us that open borders and even illegal immigration are okay. The average person tells us in the United States that both rob them of the American way of life. They're right. President Trump will take that on on behalf of the average American. Elites also tell us that public safety isn't a problem in big American cities. Just travel to New York or Washington or Dallas, Texas. The average person will tell you that the lack of public safety damages not just the American way of life, but their life. President Trump will take that on. Thirdly, I guess the favorite at the World Economic Forum, is climate change. Elites tell us 
that we, we have this existential crisis with so-called climate change, so much so that climate alarmism is probably the greatest cause for mental health crisis in the world. The solutions the average person know based on climate change are far worse and more harmful and cost more human lives, especially in Europe during the time that you need heating than do the problem and the problems themselves. Fourth, two more here, Robin. The fourth, China. The number one adversary, not just to the United States, but to free people on planet Earth. Not only do we at, at Davos not say that, we give the Chinese Communist Party a platform. Count on President Trump ending that nonsense. And fifth, as we sit here, another supranational organization, the World Health Organization, is discussing foisting gender ideology upon the global south. These are practices that are under review, if not being rejected, by countries in Northern Europe. The new president, especially if it's President Trump, will, as you like to say, trust the science. He will understand the basic biological reality of manhood and womanhood. And do you know why? Not because of retribution, not because he's a dictator, but because he has the power of the American people behind him. And it's connected to Senator Portman's excellent point that in addition to needing a vigorous executive, we look forward to having the popular will inform both the House and Senate in 2025 to pass laws on all of those issues and many others. Ultimately, Robin, I think President Trump, if in fact he wins a second term, is going to be inspired by the wise words of Javier Millet who said that he was in power not to guide sheep, but to awaken lions. That's what the average American and the average free person on planet Earth wants out of leaders. Wow. Powerful. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. He had, he had a lot to say. Push back big time on the globalist there. Mm -hmm. uh, that entire video, uh, I just tweeted it out so you could check it out yourself. Yeah. What he said. Uh, on uh, the Twitterverse, X, at Todd Jeffries. Uh, you can check it out, too. Now, what he, he went on to talk about how he says there needs to be Schedule F civil service reform so that the president can fire a good number of unelected bureaucrats in the administrative state. He says the administrative state is the greatest threat to democracy in the United States, and we need to end it. And I, and I, I mean, I, he, he was just, he, he was spot on in, in so much of what he was saying here. Uh, Top, hey, you top, can, top turnbuckle kind of stuff. You can hear the gasp of the audience, too. At one point, he pushes back on China. <gasps> mm -hmm. I can't believe you're doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, at the World Economic Forum, the globalist and the European Union, they, they feel that there, there shouldn't be any borders. We're all citizens of the planet, they say. How about right. that? Right, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely think a, a global governing body is, is extremely dangerous for every man, woman, and child on the planet. Yeah. They also talk, you know, with uh, with climate change and, and energy production and all that stuff, you know, so, you know, being talked about all the time, especially here in Texas. You know, he, he also mentioned that the, at the Heritage Foundation, they really want to see wind and solar energy actually stand on their own in the free market. And, you know, talking about how, you know, if we could get away, the only way that that's going to happen, though, is if is if governments and the elites get out of the way and let it happen. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just. You know, it's going to continue to languish. Jump in here, 512-836-0590. And, uh, and you could join us, too, I'm on my Twitter account, that video, at uh, Todd Jeffries. And, uh, yeah, it is at 940 uh, here at KLBJ. The Todd and Oz Show. 
Yeah, come on, get in here at 512-836-0590. They did it last night in Alabama. Nitrous oxide execution. Yeah, and uh, and apparently a little controversial, too, according to uh, those that were there. They didn't like it at all. Some people uh, reporting it. And we got mixed signals, uh, mixed reporting out of this. Sure. Yeah, a convicted killer was put to death in Alabama yesterday using a brand new execution method called nitrogen hypoxia. 58-year-old Kenneth Eugene Smith, it was pronounced dead about 825 last night after several minutes of uh, breathing pure nitrogen. Uh, through a face mask, and while authorities said the execution method was uh, would would cause the victim to go unconscious within a few seconds, Smith appeared to to try to hold his breath for a couple of minutes, and then and then finally died after several more minutes of uh, some heavy breathing. It was the first ever execution with uh, nitrogen hypoxia, hypoxia, and was uh, was condemned by both the EU and the UN Human Rights Office as inhumane. I, I just, I fail to understand how. Yeah, well, uh, what he committed was inhumane as well against other people. A woman was found stabbed eight times. Yeah. Uh, he's been on death row. He was convicted back in 1988 in a murder-for-hire scheme. He he survived a previous attempt at, at an execution by lethal injection in 2022. He survived a lethal injection. <clears throat> wow. Well, I think, Is that true? I think, well, I think part of it, it it's, it's more along the lines of... Uh, if I remember correctly, they couldn't find a vein. That's what it to, was. To, they couldn't tap it properly to get right. it in there. And then we have several states that are having a tough time finding those 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 lethal drugs. Right. You know, via the you know the traditional methods. Some pharmaceutical companies don't want to make it. Uh, but what do you make of this? Five one two eight three six zero five ninety. There's a lot of critics out there against this form of uh, execution. Uh, several people quoted in these stories uh, saying that, it, you know, he it took too long for him to die is what one quote I read this morning. Uh, what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the way I've heard nitrogen epoxy described is, is uh, you know, basically you, you get a kind of little loopy in the head. You lose consciousness pretty quickly. Your heart stops. Um, I, I, a lot of the reporting that I've seen on this, it, 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 it sort of feels like it's written with a slant, you know, kind of like an anti-death penalty slant, a lot of the, these these reports. Um, because, you know, we had another guy that was talking about, well, you know, yeah, there was some convulsing, but, uh, you know, that's to be expected, you know, toward the end there. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 everything that I had read about it up until that point yesterday, it sounded to me like it was a fine, a fine way to go. Yeah. A lot better than what he gave that poor woman he murdered yeah. when he stabbed her eight times. It may sound inhumane, but I don't mind him kicking and screaming a little bit. I, don't I know that sounds either. cold and rain and all that stuff, but I'm just thinking about uh, uh, the woman he killed. He she, said, was, she was probably kicking and screaming for her life at that moment, too. You know, And I know that was. sounds cruel. I know it does. I don't truly mean that. But, but yeah, him kicking and screaming a little bit is okay, right? Now, there was some talk leading up to this that there, there was concern that it was going to take them too long because this, it was coming through in a mask and perhaps there was going to be too much oxygen being let in through, you know, not, not properly sealed on his face. Uh, you know, maybe they'll try it again, you know, with a different apparatus over the head or something like that. That's but, no big deal. He's fine. Well, listen, I don't care. Right? Yeah. And, you know, he, he's gone now. And like I said, it, it, it was far better than being stabbed, stabbed to death in the neck and the chest eight times, you know, in some horrific uh, situation in your home. He said something along the lines of, you know, tonight Alabama causes humanity to take a step backwards. Is the American people, are they, are they turning their backs on executions? Is that what it is? Is there a growing, I don't know, appetite to, that it's inhumane to execute someone? I wouldn't be surprised if that, if that has uh, become a growing belief among us. I mean, because I, I could think of other ways. I mean, you don't need sodium penthol. You don't need, uh, you know, nitrous uh, nitrogen, right? I mean, we could, 
There's many other avenues that are humane ways to execute somebody that's killed people. A lot of quick ways to get rid of. Uh, yeah, I mean, if 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 that's if that's the sentence, uh, you know, and 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 all evidence has been presented and pointed to it, then yeah, there are a lot of a lot of quick ways. A nice, a nice, comfortable uh, G- uh, George Floyd level dose of fentanyl would work too, right? Probably put you to sleep. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I don't know. I, I again, it's just. It just uh, based on everything I've heard, it, it didn't seem like this is going to be that that big of a you know that that violent of a way to go like they've described in, in some reports. Yeah, but I don't. Know, it'll be he interesting was to conv- see if they try this again. He was convicted in 1988. Yeah, yeah. He was convicted with another guy. That other guy was put to death back in 28 or 2010. Joe was on Mopac this morning. Hey, Joe. You know, I think the most ridiculous thing is that this guy has been on death row for th- over 35 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just crazy that the jury and judge sentenced this guy to death and it takes 35 years to kill him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, that's a long time. The people spoke, right? The jury of his peers spoke and they uh, they wanted an execution. Right, mm-hmm. yeah, and, right, and 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 the government failed to do that for thirty-five years, and now we're worried about the know. way he went. What's that, Joe? I don't know how much it costs for a prisoner on a yearly basis, but it's kind of ridiculous that if you're on death row, it takes thirty yeah. over thirty years, uh, uh, most of the time that people are on death row, right, before they are. Uh, I don't know for sure, but I bet it costs more to take care of a prisoner than it does a veteran of war, right? According to the the, the, the uh, Department of Corrections, housing prisoners on death row, about $50,000 a year. Let me squeeze in. Uh, let's see. Charlie in Cedar Park. Hey, Charlie. Hey, folks. Uh, hey, I love your show. Have since before I could see over my dad's dashboard. Oh, man. Um, hey, okay, I got a different take, and I, and I realize this is a gentle station. I'll try to give it to you okay. nice. Okay. I honestly believe first right of execution should fall to any family member that wants to carry it out in any fashion they want to. If a man is found guilty or woman or person on this case, yeah. and they're, you know, jury trial, and they have their appeals with this. Yeah. I hear you. No, no, no. You there? Charlie. No, no I listen. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I think a lot of people would agree with you. But also, yeah. but also, I think a lot of people wouldn't want to do that. They wouldn't want any part of that. Wouldn't right? want that on their conscience. Yeah. You know, I mean, knowing justice was served is one thing. Knowing that you were the one that served the justice, I, I don't know. A lot of people, a lot of people can't handle that because it wouldn't make them feel better. It wouldn't bring their loved one back, and it may create an undue burden on their minds right. forever. They, you right. know, we we shouldn't put that burden on victims of crime, right? We the, no, the state of Texas, the, the federal government should take that burden away from. Parents of victims of crime, right? But I would not uh, deny that there are probably a lot of families who who would probably jump at the opportunity for something like that. Rich in West Austin this morning. What's on your mind, Rich? Hey, guys. Um, how you doing today? Yeah. Good. Good. Thanks. Uh, say, um, if uh, if this thing using, uh, using this method of nitrogen is so bad and so horrible... How come it is one of the chosen things for medically assisted suicides? That's a great question. Do you think they would do that if people were suffering? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, no, good point, Rich. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually uh, over in uh, in Europe. 
It, it's it's a very common method for uh, in the assisted suicide. Uh, I, I, I mean, that's 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 where I actually have read a lot of the, the reports that you know this is how it goes. It's very quick. Breathing stops. Heart stops. Gone. Yeah. You know. So these reports that he kicked and screamed. Well, kicked his legs for a long time and fought against it for a long time. I don't know. It just hard to believe. 9.53, listen, the United Auto Workers Union, as you know, uh, yesterday endorsed Joe Biden in the 2024 election. Yeah, the UAW president, Sean Fain, uh, he was asked about this on the Fox Business Channel to explain uh, the Biden endorsements in light of the strong support among UAW members for uh, Donald Trump. Look, every, it's what makes this country, you know, uh, a beacon for other countries. You know, it's, it's democracy in action. Um, look. Let me be clear about this. A great majority of our members will not vote for President Biden. Uh, yes, some will. Uh, but that's the reality of this. Uh, the majority of our members are going to vote their paychecks. They're going to vote for an economy that works for them, and they're going to vote for a president. When you look at these two presidents, the choice is very clear about which one stands up with the working class and stands up for labor, and which one stands for the billionaire class. And that's his base. Yeah, there you go. That's uh, Sean Fain with the UAW there. I mean, I guess politics makes strange bedfellows, It does. It it does. Uh, There was never any doubt in my mind that Sean Fain wasn't going to come out uh, and and endorse Joe Biden because his other choice was was Donald Trump. And he's made it very clear he feels about Donald Trump. Very clear. Well, Donald Trump is, uh, I mean, it's Joe Biden's policies that are, uh, you know, pushing the EV vehicles uh, on our economy yeah. and, and forcing many of these workers out of a job. Which is why he probably is is very right there that a lot of a lot of the UAW members won't be voting for Joe Biden, even if the union itself has endorsed him. It just feels like UAW President Sean Fain really doesn't have a whole lot of power anymore. Maybe uh, with the union there, but politically, I mean, uh, across the country, he just seems kind of a lightweight. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've, I've seen better leaders of the, of the UAW over the years, yeah. for sure. Uh, check this out. Uh, a bipartisan delegation of Texas congressmen uh, traveled to Mexico City this week. And they reported back that Mexico currently has more troops on its border than the number of Border Patrol agents on the U.S. side. U.S. Representative Henry Cuellar, he's the Democrat from Texas, uh, he told the border reporter that Mexico really is trying to, uh, well, put it into uh, the fentanyl labs and improve its security along the along the southern border and deport from its northern border migrants who do not qualify for asylum. He says Mexico's trying. They're trying that. to help us. I don't believe that. I don't believe it either. I mean, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding. All you got to do is open your eyes and look down there. Yeah. It's very clear they're not trying that hard. Well, uh, here's the quotes. Uh, in uh, KXAN has this story. Uh, he says it's difficult. They're trying, and people say that Mexico's not doing enough. They're really trying, he says. We're trying to help uh, help them through the, the technology and through uh, intelligence. Uh, Cuellar told the border reports uh, from his office in D.C. yesterday after returning from uh, Mexico City this week. Uh, the delegation was organized by Republican uh, Mike McCall, uh, the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee uh, here in Austin. And he basically also included uh, several lawmakers from the area and across Texas. And uh, he says there's more uh, Mexican troops on that side of the border than what we have on this side of the border. Well, then why is it so bad down there? Yeah. I mean, if you've got, if if they're, because we got a lot of guys down there, right? So if they've got even more, why is it so bad? What what are they doing? They just, they just taking smoke breaks all the time and and not paying attention? The Mexican military is not trying to stop the flow of illegal immigration. Absolutely not. No. No, that's, that's not an accurate statement. The cartel would not allow it. 
<laughs> there is that too. Am yeah. I right? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't buy that for a second. That that, that they're uh, that, that. Well, I mean, maybe they've got. Maybe they do have more guys down there. Maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah. But you know, just a physical presence doesn't mean anything. We're not doing anything about it. Yeah. Mm. All right. Mm. Uh, listen, uh, the Friday edition of the Todd and Oz Show. You want to tell folks how to how to find you? Yeah, sure. You can email me at Patrick at five nine zero klbj dot com. Okay. You, uh, Todd at five ninety klbj dot com and. Well, if you're on social media, I'm there. I mean, I'm on some, at Todd Jeffries, and you can easily check in with me, connect with me, and follow me, that sort of thing, especially on LinkedIn. Be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn. Really focus in there quite a bit. Yeah, it's a good spot, good yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, at Todd Jeffries. We got Brian Kilmeade straight ahead, followed by Clay and Buck. And then uh, later this afternoon on the Mark and Melinda program, a little bit of a surprise for you. Uh, something that, uh, well, something that hasn't been seen in public in a long, long time. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ed Clements is going to be on the show this after The effervescence. The svelte. The svelte. Yeah. Well, he is svelte nowadays, isn't he? He is. Yeah. yeah. He, is, he is bubbly and, and svelte. Yeah. Effervescent. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we're well, uh, very excited to see Looking what Ed Clements is going to bring in. Looking good lately, man. He he's, he's a Actually looks great. He's a, he's a, he's a top cat daddy out there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, tune in because it's going to be exciting. Yeah, Ed Clements this afternoon. Soft and moist here in the afternoons. Have a great weekend. The Todd and Oz Show. The Todd and Oz Show. Weekday mornings, 5 to 10 on News Radio KLBJ.